Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. What's up, everybody? Welcome on in to NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Wheelin Engineering. On the road, in the air, and around the world, Wheelin is trusted to be seen, trusted to be heard, and trusted to perform. Of course, Coast to Coast, where we talk all things NASCAR roots racing. I'm MRN pit reporter Chris Wilner. Kyle Ricky, MRN announcer out at Stafford in Connecticut. Uh, K. Rick, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of the season, man. We are just ripping and rolling. I think a few more shows here before we get to championship weekend in uh, Phoenix for the NASCAR Cup Series, which kind of signals the end of the outdoor season before, of course, we talk about next year. But there's still plenty to talk about. Of course, drama out at uh, Winchester Speedway in the ASA Stars National Tour where we had just fisticuffs, we had late race drama, and, of course, maybe some penalties that still could be happening. I don't know. We'll talk about all of that. Dylan Capello, who goes from race engineer for front row motorsports goes out and gets back behind the wheel of an arca west machine and wins out out at las vegas we'll talk to him about that race win and his season both on the driving side and of course as the engineer for zane smith and tons tons more of news and notes on the calendar as well so let's get to it k rick first of all how was your weekend my friend um we're getting close to the fall final right you got one more week or so week and a half but uh how was your weekend it was good. Uh, it was busy. Um, it rained, of course, so all the local events, again, got rained out. Uh, we have a big event this weekend at the Waterford Speed Bowl on the shoreline here in Connecticut with the Monaco Modified Tri-Track Series. Uh, their weekly divisions, their championship night, which was rained out from last weekend, will also be part of uh, the weekend coming up. So uh, still battling Mother Nature. I believe 18 of the last 22 or 21 weekends it has rained since May at some point either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So uh, we'll get them in at some point. So other than that, uh, it was a busy weekend of uh, of streaming, a lot of short track racing, and um, a lot of devices going on uh, Friday and Saturday nights. I mean, that's good. At least you could catch up on all things NASCAR roots and all of our different series that are covered on the flow racing dial and things like that. But at the same time, I get it. Mother Nature, we've talked about it almost every week on the show, just not a race fan this year for some reason. Uh, hopefully that changes next year, but of course, I know you guys still got a big one coming up, so we'll talk about that in a little bit, but let's get to the weekend that was, and we'll start off with the drama at the 52nd annual Winchester 400 out in the Hoosier State of Indiana, the ASA Stars National Tour, the Super Late Models, second, uh, I guess second to last race, really, of the season, because they have Nashville coming up in a couple weeks to wrap up their inaugural season. Gio Ruggiero wins the race. And, and and what a historical race it was. 22 different lead changes among nine drivers. Gio is the first driver to win the Winchester 400 in his first start since I think back in 2007, Ryan Lawyer Law, Law, was the driver. Yep. But Kyle, it wasn't without drama because Steven Nassi had that thing in the bag until a late race caution and then calamity ensued. 
Yeah, they went into turn number one, and the front row was way higher than the rows behind them. And I think that's how you can tell that uh, he kind of got driven up the racetrack by Gio, talking about Stephen Nassi. Uh, up the racetrack, they went in turn number two, and then tempers flared uh, post-race. Gio was able to pick up the race win. Uh, I believe Nassi came back up the finish in the, in the third spot after falling to fifth on the restart with 13 to go. Uh, good race, competitive race. Um, fun to watch and uh, good for for Geo, except for that uh, that burnout and the front yeah. straightaway post race. And and I know a lot of racetracks up here, including here at Stafford Speedway, no burnouts. You get fined if you do a, a donut. Uh, just for that reason, there are fans coming onto the racetrack. Uh, you have crew members on the pit lane, uh, heading to to victory lane or, or podium finishes or or where the podium finishers end up parking for their interviews. And uh, yeah. Too many folks around to to be pulling that. Uh, it's fun to watch on television, but can be dangerous at times. Yeah, certainly in the interest of safety. And so I mentioned maybe some possible penalties. Matt Weaver, short track scene, all those reporting that possibly something could come of that. Uh, Geo did do a burnout, and unfortunately, uh, Stephen Nassi's father was actually approaching the race car to have a word with Geo. And when Geo took off, knocked Steven's dad down. Of course, then Steven saw, climbed out of the race car, charged at Geo's race car. It was just ugly. Luckily, security was able to get to Steven before he actually got to Geo's window net. Otherwise, that could have probably been even uglier than it was. But certainly a little bit of a black eye on what was a great race. But again, yep. racing for a national tour in a, in a historical race such as the Winchester 400, you know, his tempers are certainly going to flare. So we'll see if anything comes from that. But at the same time, you look at the national tour and the points debacle. Ty Majeski, who we thought would just walk away with this thing about three months ago when he had a, an insurmountable points lead, it's only down to, I believe, eight points over Cole Butcher going in the final race, Kyle. So Ty Majeski may lose this thing if he doesn't get his act together here going into Nashville. He could. He needs a better day in Nashville than he had in uh, Winchester this past weekend. Obviously, a top five run. Uh, would be preferred for Ty over Cole, but uh, looking forward to seeing seeing this championship decided at the uh, Nashville Fairgrounds here in a couple of weeks' time. Yep, looking forward to it again. That is also on exactly NASCAR Cup Series Championship Sunday on November. Yep. So a couple championships wrapping up here in uh, the month of November. Let's before we get to our uh, guest of the week, which is Dylan Capello and his big win out on the West Coast at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway Bullring. Quick shout to Andy Jankowiak, a smart tour modified winner. And it came after what? Almost a full day and a half of tech shed debacles with checking motor legality. But it finally was announced on Monday afternoon that Andy J is a smart tour winner joining his father, who's also on the list of smart tour winners. That coming out uh, at South Boston Speedway. Kyle, I know Andy Jays have been a driver that we followed for years, of course, running the Arca Menard Series schedule for the last several. But how special is it for Andy Jay just for a driver's confidence to get a win? I know he's uh, had a little bit of an up-and-down season on the Arca side of things, but to hop in a modified and, and go toe-to-toe with Bobby Labonte and Ryan Newman, I mean, that's pretty pretty big time to get a win out there at South Boston. Yeah, one of the great personalities, one of the great interviews of Modified Racing. Uh, Andy J uh, is always a character, uh, always has done well on the New York Modified scene and you know, uh, the Race of Champions Modifieds runs well there. So um, 
you know, nice to see him pick up that one at the South Boston Speedway. Great field of cars. I believe the race was rain delayed, I think, by a day. It was supposed to be held on Saturday. It was run on Sunday. Uh, so a good race. But, yeah, we had to do a little bit of waiting to see if the race would be official or or at least his win would stand. And, and it did. I hear there may be a fine, a small fine, because of some of the stuff that they found post-race. But uh, he gets the win. He was very happy on social media once it was made official. So uh, congratulations to him. The Smart Modifieds also beginning to uh, – wind down their 2023 campaign here yeah i think a couple races left in that season schedule all right let's get to the arca west action out on the west coast at the las vegas motor speedway bullring a big again a staple of the arca west championship for several years of course paired with nascar weekend i know a lot of folks came across the street once track activity was done out there at the big track to go check out the arca west series and boy we got ourselves another first time winner and we'll talk to him about it. No, not a Ricky Bobby story of engineered turned quickly race car driver goes out and wins. But Dylan Capello, who grew up racing and uh, has been running everything from quarter midgets growing up all the way to late models, uh, doesn't run a whole lot now as he serves as engineer for Zane Smith in front row motorsports, but got the deal to go run the Arca West race. And he made the most of it by going out and beating the field taking home his first West Series win, first time in a car since 2015, and he did it in a pretty dramatic fashion, going toe-to-toe with Sean Hingarani before Sean had some issues with the right front, Kyle. Yeah, and you could see Sean's right front on the stream about seven, eight, ten laps in. Uh, it was starting to glow, and by the time they got to lap 110, 120, uh, it was really glowing and then ultimately caught fire. Uh, ARCA officials let him uh, roll around the speedway for, I don't know, five or six laps before they put the red flag out, extinguished the fire, uh, but because they had to stop the event and and work on his race car for all intents and purposes, uh, he had to start at the back of the field and then ultimately had further issues that dropped him out of the race. But very compelling event there, the Las Vegas Bull Ring, a, a lot of yellows, nine caution flags. Uh, Capello, great run. I don't know if he would have been able to beat Sean Hingarani. He was kind of the class of the field until that fire on the right front corner. But a uh, good event, fun a fun event to watch. A great crowd, like you mentioned, came over from the big track. And uh, yeah, it was it was, it was a good good uh, good night to kick off the race weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. It really was. And shout out to Trevor Trevor Huddleston too, who now puts himself back in that championship fight. Uh, because yep. he did cut into Sean Hingarani's lead with two races to go. Uh, we're now going into, yeah, two races to go. We got Madeira yep. coming up this weekend, and of course, Phoenix Raceway on a part of NASCAR Championship weekend. So, some storylines still developing in our final National Touring Series of the ARCA platform that is still racing. Of course, we'll have that coming up, a little preview here in segment number three. But congratulations to Dylan. And speaking of Dylan, he is on the line. So let's get to him coming up next to talk all things Arca West and, of course, his season at Front Row Motorsports. Dylan Capello joins us on the show coming up next. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and warning systems for the automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheeland products are designed, sourced, and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheeland Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Joining us, your 
Most recent, ARCA West winner out at the Star Nursery 150, the Bullring of Las Vegas Motor Speedway. It is Dylan Capello. Dylan, kind of weird, right? Lately being called an ARCA West winner. I mean, you're just, you yeah. know, been focusing on the engineering side for Zane Smith. You're going after, you know, Truck Series wins as he wraps up his Truck Series campaign. And all of a sudden, now you're being talked to as a race winner in the ARCA West Series. What have the last several days been like for you since picking up the checkered flag there at Las Vegas? Yeah, it's it's been a wild couple of weeks here. Um, just just kind of getting the opportunity, talking to Mike Nake and getting this whole deal set up. I was pretty excited, and uh, just talking with all the team members here too, and making sure it was going to work out with our work schedule and everything. And they're obviously super super supportive here of me going and doing some racing on the side, you know, throughout the year. So putting everything together, figuring everything out was uh, was a lot of work, but you know, it all came together and. I think going in, I, I would have thought like a top five would have been a, a solid showing for us. And and to get that win was was huge for us. So um, it was just really cool to see everything kind of come full circle and, and work out, you know. You talked about the logistics of it coming together. And before we talk about the race, what prompted this with Mike to come together in, in the first place? Yeah, so when I first moved out here to the Charlotte area, um, I started working for David Gilwin, and at the end of last year, he sold some ARCA cars to Mike Nake, and he's been trying to kind of figure out drivers throughout the year, and he was on the phone with David Gilwin, and he said, you know, you should call Dylan Capello. He might be interested in, in doing something with you, and so he called me up and kind of said what races he had left over throughout the year to kind of fill in, and uh, and Phoenix was one of them. Madeira this weekend and then the bullring obviously so I said the bullring probably works out best for the truck schedule so um, it's really kind of the only one that works out really so we kind of started working towards that one and got a little bit of sponsorship and um, it all worked out so that's kind of how that came together. Yeah, for folks that are tuning into the program that may not know, this isn't like a Ricky Bobby story where, you know, the engineer who's never driven a race car in his life gets an opportunity, goes out and wins. You have a pretty solid racing background. Where did you get your start? I know we talked a little bit in the commercial break running quarter midgets, but uh, you've been, you know, busy both on the driving side as well as chasing your career on the mechanical side. Yeah, yeah. So I started in quarter midgets a little bit before that, actually, in go-karts and then kind of moved into quarter midgets. Um once we kind of got established in that, we started kind of traveling the country, going to a lot of the, the Grand National races in that series, um, won, won quite a few of those, and then moved up into mini sprints, uh, ran a couple Ford Focus midget races, and then got into the Lucas Oil Modifieds, what it used to be, and uh, ran that for about four or five years and had pretty good success in that, and then Ever since I kind of graduated college and, and moved out here, we've just kind of been focusing on some late model stuff and uh, just doing that whenever I have time. So that's kind of my background, where I came from. And race a lot with Zane, actually, at the Bullring in Vegas growing up. And uh, Zane, Riley, Noah, like a lot of those guys. So it's kind of cool to come out here and have those familiar faces. And then, you know, they know that I can still kind of get back behind the wheel and, and mix it up with some guys. So it's, it's, it's been a cool deal. Let's talk about the race on, on Friday night and the pass for the lead uh, when Sean Hingarani, who led a majority of that race, uh, had a fire right front of that, that the, uh, the, the car caught fire, riding around under caution, pretty much in a fireball. Uh, what's going through your minds uh, before the red flag came out? 
Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I ran them down a little bit on that, on that green flag run before that. And once I kind of put some pressure on them through some lap traffic and they kind of said his brakes were glowing quite a bit and, you know, they thought he might've been kind of using his stuff up a little bit. So I didn't want to press too hard. We had a, we had a little bit left to go there. So I wanted to kind of save a little bit for a late restart and uh, we got that caution. And then I kind of saw the flames blown out the right front of that car. And, uh, you know, we weren't, we weren't advocating for them to stop them, but, you know, we just wanted to make sure we weren't going to go into turn one on the restart and he was going to blow right front or, or have a brake failure. So there, there was definitely some stuff falling off the car and we were kind of letting them know about that, but you always want to race guys straight up for the win. So, um, just, just the whole time, like we ran probably eight, 10 caution laps waiting for, waiting for them to kind of decide what they were going to do. And I was just kind of playing out the restart and starting outside front row, kind of what my play was going to be going into the first corner. So that's kind of all I was thinking about. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's back here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. At what point in the weekend, I know you just mentioned you kind of ran him down there before that red flag and, and, and obviously had an opportunity there to challenge for the win, whether he fell out or not. But at what point in the weekend were you like, okay, you know, it's the first time I'm back in the series since 2015, but holy cow, I've got a car and, and the opportunity to win the race. Maybe versus, like you said, going into it, a top 10 would have been greater, top five. But at what point were you like, okay, I'm, we've got a race winning car here. Let's go make it happen. Yeah, I think, you know, I was kind of surprised we went out and practice and we we didn't really do a mock run just because I haven't I haven't run these type of cars. So we kind of started with pressures up a little bit and uh, went out and I kind of got a couple of hard laps in. I think we were second or third on the board. And I felt like, you know, for me, just kind of getting comfortable with the car and kind of figuring out the tendencies of that of that car. So I felt like that was pretty good right off the gate. And uh, so I, I knew we were pretty good. And then I kind of figured once we started making some changes and, and started working on it and getting it a little bit better. And then we we made a shock change at the very end of practice and went to the top of the board and uh, with like 25 laps, I think, on tires. And I was like, OK, this thing's this thing's pretty good. So um, kind of from there, you know, I, I still wanted to manage expectations because, you know, going fast in practice is a lot different around than doing it around other guys. So um going into qualifying made a couple mistakes and the car kind of reacted a little bit differently than we thought it was gonna so uh put us back a little bit but you know I think at that time at the end of practice I knew that we had a good shot at running pretty well nine cautions in the event fairly choppy race was it uh hard to find a flow behind the wheel especially in the first 130 laps or so yeah. Yeah. Not really. I, I felt like I kind of fired off and, and got, got stuck behind a couple guys there. And uh, I think I fell back to about 12th. And then from there, I was just trying to pick off enough guys to restart on the bottom. I thought that would give me the best shot on restarts to kind of make my way up slowly. And uh, so I think I got into ninth or seventh and kind of rode there a little bit. And, uh, and so I felt like it was a little bit choppy, but I felt like as soon as the green flag came out, I could kind of try and fight for a couple positions and then kind of ride and 
and protect a little bit and try and set myself up for the next restart because last year I think they had nine nine cautions as well so I knew that it was probably going to be something similar we talk about on the show a lot of times with the younger drivers that are coming through their 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 early part of their career how critical restarts are and how tough they are to you know get right and and to practice yeah. but as somebody who's done this before but it's been a while I mean how big were the nerves of those final couple late race restarts you got Trevor Huddleston behind you who is in that championship fight with Sean Hingarani so what was going through your mind yeah yeah the restarts in that in that car I was I was kind of struggling but then after watching the race back a little bit like they're my restarts weren't weren't bad by any means, but just struggling a little bit with tire spin is is kind of what I was thinking about under cautions there. Just trying to manage that and where to where to fire at and what gear to be in and stuff like that. So um, obviously those guys have a little bit more experience and and uh, and so I was just kind of trying to manage that and try and listen and hear what gear guys were starting in around me. So um, that that was kind of the main thing that I was struggling with there, and then. Uh, I think Hangarani was was really dragging guys to the start pretty slow. And then once I got the lead there, I kind of wanted to speed the pace up and try and switch it up on the guys a little bit and, and try and bring them a little bit faster. So that was kind of my play on that last restart. What was the uh, celebration the rest of the, the like the rest of the weekend? Were you able to soak it in? Uh, not as much as I would have liked. You know, we we hung out. We got a lot of family and friends that were there and and a lot of friends inside the pits that were running some of the local classes. So uh, just hung out and kind of kind of talked with those guys. And and they they obviously congratulated me and just kind of talked with them for a little bit. And then I was on a flight pretty early out on on Saturday morning, getting back here and getting to work on on our homestead truck. So it was uh, it was pleasure. And then right back to business for the most part. So it's been it's been cool, though. I'm just happy that Front Row Motorsports kind of lets me go do do that kind of stuff and and then come back here and knows that I can kind of focus right back in on on getting the truck season finished up here so it, it's been a cool experience and super appreciative of front row motorsports for that what was the reception like did you get texts from Zane and some of the crew guys or even when you got back to the shop you know the next day or, or a couple of days from then I mean what was that like are they like all right big time like we, we're gonna get a truck ready for you next or or is it just back to work business as usual yeah, it, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, Zane texted me. He was he was pretty stoked about it, and all, all the crew guys texted me. And and I, I think some of them that are, that are kind of new that don't know that I race, you know, they were they were pretty pretty surprised and, and excited for me too. So I got the trophy back here yesterday, I think. And so last last year, beginning of last year, I won a late model race at Irwindale, the All Star Showdown. And I got the trophy back and I put it in the shop in the middle of the, in the middle of the shop saying, this is what we, this is what we got to do is front row now. So I got it in that same place, hoping that that kind of, that, that kind of leads us into Homestead. And, and when I did that last year, we won Daytona. So I'm hoping we can go to Homestead and have a good showing with that. So got to keep all the good voodoo going. <laughs> well, you said you've been at the shop preparing for the weekend uh, for for Zane and, and his truck, how are things looking he heading into, uh, I guess, the final race of the round for for their playoffs this weekend? Yes, yeah, it's, it's been going really good. So we we've had this this is actually the truck that we won Phoenix with last year. Um, so we, we kind of built it specifically for this race and uh, been to the wind tunnel and seven post tests and stuff like that. So just trying to hit all the bases and and hit the setup right and bring the best piece we can to Homestead in a must-win situation. So um, 
yeah, it kind of worked out. I, I planned to do this, this Arca race. And then, and then now we're in a must win for Homestead. So I felt a little bit bad leaving for a couple of days, but you know, I think we've, we've had a lot of time to prepare for this race. So I think we're definitely putting our best foot forward going into this weekend here. What's your long-term plans, Dylan? Obviously still trying to race as much as you can on the side. And I know like many in the industry that started racing, you know, things kind of took a different path for you, but what what's the long-term plans five, 10 years from now? You want to be a crew chief on the top level of NASCAR or, or an owner or what kind of is your long-term goal? Yeah, I, re I really like the crew chief route. You know, I, I love the truck series and kind of being in here with the cup series. I, I can appreciate those cars for sure. And, and the engineering that goes behind those and, and kind of the fine, fine line that those cars show that you have to have to be good that week. And, uh, but I just, I came into the sport and worked in the truck series and I've kind of fell in love with it and feel like you got, you got a bigger window to work in and you can kind of make a bigger difference as a crew member. And uh, so I think my long-term goal would be to crew chief in the truck series and, and still race a little bit on the side, but I know at some point you got to kind of dial it back a little bit. I know I only do three or four races throughout the year. So, but I'd, I'd still like to stay behind the wheel and then, whenever whenever this this pans itself out and you know i'd love to just kind of go back racing myself and build a late model and just kind of have fun on the side so but i think my five-year plan would be to crew chief in the truck series for sure and you kind of touched on my final question about uh, you only do four or five races a year is there anything left on the calendar this year say during the off season once the uh the truck series season wraps up here in three weeks yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go back and run Pensacola in the snowflake with our with our pro late model. Um, we were in last year and we didn't have a very good showing, I would say. Um, I think we ended up fifteenth last year and qualified into the race. So I think going there for your first time that was, it was kind of cool. But um, we went to North Wilkesboro this this summer and ran there and we had a really good car. Um, drove through the field from thirtieth, finished eleventh. So. I think kind of stuff that we learned there on a low grip track and we can go to Pensacola and apply that and, and run pretty good, I think. So that's, that's kind of the only race we have planned is the snowflake in December. Well, Dylan, congratulations, my man. Uh, awesome to see you get the win and obviously best of luck to the whole front row motorsports crew and Zane and you guys this weekend as you, uh, Try to lock yourself in and, and have Zane go for another championship. I know it's been a busy, busy week yeah. or so, and it's going to only get busier as we get closer and closer to uh, Homestead and Phoenix, but best of luck. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Dylan Capello, ARCA West winner out at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway Bullring. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at some news and notes and the calendar. We're getting close to the end of the season for many of our championship series. We'll talk about it all coming up next. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers and warning systems for the automotive, aviation and mass notification industries worldwide. Whelan products are designed, sourced and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Whelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left and we're here to stay. Welcome back to NASCAR Coast Coast, presented by Wheel and Engineering. Kyle, great conversation with Dylan. Uh, jack of all trades now, engineer, ARCA race winner. I mean, I, I'd be curious 
if that doesn't scratch the itch to maybe put a few more ARCA races together going into next year, as long as the schedule allows, but maybe some opportunities to double dip a little bit, what do you think? Because as a race car driver and somebody who's you know moved on from that life and now has a different career path, once you get back behind the wheel, and I did so at Millbridge in a cage cart a couple weeks ago, but you want to do it again. So I'd be curious if Dylan's going to want to find an opportunity going into next year. Especially when you find victory lane. I mean, it just it just ups that much more, uh, though, the want to get back behind the wheel after maybe being away from it for some time, uh, like Dylan had been. It, I mean, it's, it's so hard with the Arkham Menard Series schedule because usually the truck garage is opening right as the ARCA race is starting or the trucks will race right before or after the ARCA race. They're usually, you know, either both on Friday or Saturday. So it is so hard. And like you mentioned, Vegas was the only one that they could find that the for the entire season for the Arkham Menards West Series. I'm glad it worked out for, um, for him, and I'm glad that uh, he made the most of it by taking that checkered flag on Friday night. Appreciate Dylan for joining us on the show. Let's get into our news and notes before we take a look at a couple races, a couple big races coming up on the calendar here this weekend as we get closer to Halloween and closer to the end of the outdoor championship season for 2023. A quick bulletin. How about Track Enterprises, the longstanding promotional group that manages several different racetracks? They have extended their contract to manage uh, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Of course, they brought events like SRX and ASA, Southern Super Series, CRA, you name it, that's been out the fairgrounds. It's been at the hands of Track Enterprises. So big deal for Nashville Fairgrounds as they look ahead to 2024. Kyle, I want to get your thoughts on this. We saw the news with Matt Benedetto stepping away from Rackley War at the end of the year, and then Rackley War in the Truck Series said, well, we're going to go ahead and try out some different drivers throughout the rest of the year. I know Chandler Smith was slated to drive, and now they just announced Trevor Bain is going to run at Homestead coming up this weekend. Do you see a foreseeable future, maybe a Chevrolet late model driver that could maybe possibly fill the seat uh, going into next year? I don't know. I have, I, you know, that's something I hadn't really thought about. I know Trevor Bain, I think they're going to use him for his experience behind the wheel. Obviously, he's been around for, for a long time and has competed in, in all of NASCAR's national series uh, full time and more recently uh, part time and does well when he can. I know Rackley Ward, you know, kind of trying to plan things out for next year. I don't know. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting when the, when the news came out of kind of the different Rolodex of drivers. You know, I'm thinking you know, you've got youngsters like Connor Zilich that are coming up through the Chevy program, uh, Gavin Bochelle. They're still a little young and don't have the experience yeah. quite yet to get to the truck. But then you look at some of the late model drivers, I just can't really pinpoint if, if they're really going to take a chance on somebody like that. Or maybe there is a truck series competitor who's currently without a ride for next year that has some experience. So we'll start, we'll monitor that. But I thought it was interesting that Trevor Bain, who we've seen run for Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity side a few times this year, is going to hop behind the wheel of a truck. But again, T-Bain is a guy who says, put me in anything, I'm going to go make it happen. So, uh, of course, part-time Fox broadcaster and, and, yep. and race car driver. So good to see him get that opportunity. And, of course, we'll keep an eye on who uh, Rackley Ward tabs as their full-time driver for next year. Uh, final news bulletin that came out just yesterday, Corey Heim, of course, who's raced up his way through late models and now is vying for a championship. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series signed a deal to uh, extend his contract with Tricon Garage for one more year in the uh, NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Kyle, I'm a little curious because Corey Heim was a guy who I thought if he excelled this year, maybe go right to Xfinity Series. I think it's mm -hmm. a good move to go back to truck racing one more year, especially if he goes out and wins the title this year with the three wins already on the season. 
And I'm not sure if there are many rides left in the NASCAR Xfinity series for him to move into. And I think that's kind of where we are right now is, you know, there are a lot of these young drivers want to make the move so quickly through ARCA, through the Cars Tour, and, and then up into Trucks Xfinity and Cup. And at some point, you, you hit one of those off-seasons where there's just not a lot of rides available, uh, not, a foot, lot, not a lot of other drivers making, you know, moves, especially in those two series. So, um yeah, I think it's a good move. Get that experience. Uh, he's obviously running for a championship in a couple of weeks' time. The Phoenix Raceway already locked into the championship four with that win a couple of weeks ago. If he gets it, great. A lot of momentum and, and a lot of motivation to go get that second win. If he doesn't get the championship, he'll have another year to 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 run for a title before, you know, no doubt, in two years, probably making a move up. Well, congratulations, though, to Corey already, because knowing what your future holds certainly puts some of that pressure aside, and now all things are focused for, obviously, Homestead and then that championship four race, should he make it. Speaking of, Kyle, who do we think is going to be your championship four? We have one more race to go at Homestead. Right now, it's Corey Heim, Carson Hosevar, Christian Eckes, and by three points above the cut, it's Nick Sanchez. Then you have Grant Enfinger, three below. Ben Rhodes is five below. Ty Majeski, Zane Smith, 19 and 36 below. Probably must-win situations. But any of those drivers below maybe could spoil the party here coming up at the uh, Homestead Miami Speedway where everybody loves to run the fence there at that mile and a half. Yes, I have two that will move into the top four. Uh, Corey Heim is obviously a lock. Carson yep. Hosevar has 23 points. I think that cushion is a big enough gap for him to advance into the championship four. I like Grant Enfinger uh, moving into the top four. He's only a couple of points out right now, like you mentioned, three out. And I like former champion Ben Rhodes, who has traditionally run well at the Homestead Miami Speedway. Again, a lot of experience, a former champion, a top six effort there a year ago, only five points back. So I know Thor Sport hasn't had the best of seasons, but I think he can uh, – overcome that adversity and, and maybe race his way in this weekend at the Homestead Miami Speedway. All right. So Christian Eckes and the hometown kid, Nick Sanchez, Kyle has pinned to not make it to the round of four in the Correct. championship race at Phoenix. We'll see what happens, but you made a good point with Ben teamed up a couple weeks ago out at Kansas with, or uh, not Kansas. Where were they at? Uh, Talladega with Rich Lucius back his former yep. crew chief when he won the title a couple years ago. So we'll see if Ben can get it done again, that race on the motor racing network you can hear that on Saturday afternoon. All right, couple races coming up, Kyle, before we let our folks go for the day. ARCA West, two races to go. They're at Madeira, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, so a little bit earlier time for those of us on the East Coast. Uh, first time that they visited Madeira since 2009. What do we think going in? There's a lot of those junior late model champions from years past that are entered, kind of the local stars, but... Sean Hingarani on the cusp of that championship has a 26-point gap over Trevor Huddleston. Do you think he locks it in at Madeira, or will it go down to Phoenix? I mean, there's, there's a very good chance. I think it depends on the field size. Like you mentioned, a pretty good field uh, entered for the event. I think, I think they'll start 24 cars, small little racetrack. You can find trouble pretty easily, much like we saw last week at the Las Vegas Bullring. Certainly, Sean can clinch it here this weekend with a good run, not really have to worry about uh, going to the Phoenix Raceway and having a good run. If not, he'll have a pretty good gap going to Phoenix, uh, regardless, I think, of what happens this weekend. 27 points back, Tyler Reif, Tanner Reif, 41 back. So uh, if he can just maintain that 26-point lead right now, he'll be good going to the Phoenix Raceway here in a couple of weeks. But it should be a good race. This weekend, a late afternoon race out at Madera Speedway for the first time in over a decade. 
Yeah, and good East Coast start time for us, 8 p.m. on right. Saturday night. Again, and don't forget, to the owner's championship still pretty tight. Cook Racing Technologies in that 17 car. Remember, Landon Lewis was aboard that for quite some time, leading the driver's championship. Well, since Landon's not been in the car, that car is still owner's point eligible, and they've got, uh, I believe, Caden Honeycutt is going to be aboard that car to go for the owner's title. Again, just nine points. They have a lead over the uh, Venerini Motorsports and Sean Hingarani. So that championship still up for grabs as well. Uh, Cars Tour, Tri-County Speedway, the Brewage 250 on Saturday, the penultimate race for the Cars Tour late model stock and, of course, the pro late models. Uh, full fields again expected at that racetrack with the now, I believe, third visit for the pro late models and second visit for the late model stocks where Landon Huffman got that big 30K win a couple of, uh, well, now probably over a month and a half ago. Uh, what do you think? Carson Quapple has the points lead on Brennan Queen by 33. His brother, Caden, has the pro late model lead by four over Katie Hedinger. So going to be a good points battle. Yeah, very quiet but consistent season for Katie Hedinger. I was surprised that she's only four points back. I knew she was among the top three in points most of the season, but she is right there within striking distance. Good field of cars. 30 late model stocks are entered, 17 pro late models. So should be a, a great weekend, their penultimate weekend of the season for the cars tour and a couple of tight championship battles uh, on the line here coming up. And don't forget, Landon Huffman, I mentioned uh, your former winner last time the Cars Tour visited there. He will not be yep. back with Nelson Motorsports in 2024. So trying to cap the year by sweeping those races in the late model stock. Uh, final big thing on my calendar, Kyle, was the uh, three season-long championship battles for the ACT Series coming down to New London Waterford Speedway. There's Speed Bowl coming up with the Haunted 100 on Saturday. Gabe Brown, your Oxford 250 winner leading DJ Shaw by 21 points. Don't forget you have the Rookie of the Year battle as well. That's coming down to eight points. Uh, DJ does lead the Triple Crown for up there as well uh, over uh, Gabe Brown. So those two still going after it as well. So good stuff coming up this weekend at New London Waterford Speed Bowl. And then Kyle, two weeks away from the uh, NASCAR and Modified Tours season finale. The Virginia is for Racing Lovers 200 at Martinsville. Motor Racing Network will have the call on that. Uh, do you like the fact we kind of have this week or two in between the season finale that's kind of pent up this energy? Because, again, it's Justin Bonsignor versus Ronnie Silk for the title. Yeah, coming up quick uh, at Martinsville Speedway. It's going to be a good one. Obviously, the the point gap changed a couple of weeks ago at Thompson Speedway when Justin didn't have the best restart late in the event while battling for the lead. Uh, Ronnie obviously went on to to win the race. Justin lost a bunch of points and positions on the speedway finished outside of the top 10 so bigger gap than what we thought we would have when we got to the martinsville speedway but it's going to be a good race nevertheless their season finale one of the historic racetracks uh martinsville speedway has been on and off the modified tour schedule since the series debuted in 1985 so looking forward to it uh, a couple of other quick news and notes up here you mentioned uh, act uh, going to be competing this weekend at the New London Waterford Speed Bowl. DJ Shaw also going to be running in a modified, part of the Monaco Modified Tri-Track Series Haunted 100. That is coming up on the same day, hopefully, if Mother Nature cooperates, on Saturday afternoon. And also, uh, congratulations to Josh Veneta and his crew. They're promoting the Mananoc Speedway next season. They just announced their schedule and that, that, they're, that they are returning to NASCAR sanctions for the 2024 season. So Mananoc returning to the NASCAR lineup of short tracks up here in the Northeast, freshly repaved. So it's going to be a whole new uh, ball game for the local drivers there at the Mananoc Speedway. First coat of asphalt since the 1970s. So should be fun. Congratulations to Josh and his team on getting their schedule out here earlier this week.
Absolutely, and love it when we keep adding tracks under the NASCAR banner and the NASCAR Roots family being sanctioned. So, of course, big things coming up for Monadnock Speedway. And also, shout out to, to Logan Seavey, captured the USAC Silver Crown Championship, a former Roots driver as well, and some late-mile stuff with Toyota. Going back to his Roots and the open-wheel stuff picks up his Silver Crown Championship. Well, Kyle, Motor Racing Network is back in action after a couple weeks off, of course, at the Homestead Miami Speedway. Sadly, I will not be soaking up the sun in South Beach, but we will be tuned in to a triple header on Saturday, 9 a.m. Set your coffee. It's coffee and radio time with the MRN crew as we get cup qualifying underway from Homestead Miami Speedway. The truck series race, the final race in the round of eight to settle our championship four will be coming up at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, followed by the NASCAR Xfinity Series as they run in their round of eight, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, Sunday, NASCAR Live Race Day, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, leading you into the Cup Series race from Homestead. Final thoughts, Kyle, before we let you go. Getting down to it, uh, just a couple of champions left to be crowned. The temperature outside getting a bit cooler here in the Northeast, but Still weird that we have uh, Halloween just a couple of weeks away, but still two pretty big race weekends up here, including the uh, the Napa Fall Final at the Stafford Motor Speedway. And then, like you mentioned, just prior to that, we go to the Martinsville Speedway uh, for the championship event for the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. So getting down to it up here in this region of the country and across the country as, uh, you know, champions are crowned uh, almost every week. Can't believe it. It's right around the corner as we continue to crown champions for 2023. And, of course, we'll visit with some of those on the remainder of our shows here for 2023. All right, Kyle, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And for those of you folks at home, enjoy your full slate of NASCAR Roots Racing as we wind down the 2023 season. For our producer, Pat Jaggers, my name is Chris Wilner. Thanks for tuning in to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Whelan Engineering. Napa! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Napa.